You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and the outs of the solar industry and what it means for solar owners and industry. With Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clenergy, providers of innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Sunwiz, Australia's leading service provider of the solar and storage industry. And Solar Analytics, helping you get more from your solar, more confidence, more savings and more insights. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Solar Insiders podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy, one step off the grid and the EV focused driven. And joining me is Nigel Morris with only one identifiable job um, from Solar Analytics, <laughs> but also a co-host of this podcast. <laughs> Nigel, um, freedom has allowed you out, but now you're stuck down in the basement fighting off giant bats and huge spiders or something. <laughs> It's true. It's true. I just got bitten by a spider while I was waiting for the episode to start up because it's been cold here. It's Freedom Day. Here, it was, well, we had Freedom Day the other day. I went, unreal. I'm going to, you know, slingshot across Sydney at zero to 100 kilometers an hour in three seconds on my live wire. And lo and behold, it's been horrendously cold and rainy. And so I'm just bunkered down with my Ugg boots on. So, yeah. It doesn't oh, feel yeah. like freedom to me. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, well, no, it doesn't sound like freedom to me. Look, I actually <laughs> talked to someone yesterday, uh, an assistant from an unidentified billionaire, and um, he told me that she'd actually been to a nail salon on the first day of Freedom Day in Sydney. So I just thought, well, that's pretty exciting. Um, actually met someone. But um, you weren't one of the people that was queuing up at... Um, at um, uh, Kmart at Mount Druitt. Kmart at, mid- at midnight. <laughs> No, I wasn't. You could have gotten there on your Harley Livewire, uh, Peter. Um, Nigel, God, who am I talking to? <laughs> yes, I could have, and I contemplated just, you know, hacking across Sydney and, you know, going for a blast and seeing a few friends. And I do actually have plans to go and visit some friends who I miss terribly. But, uh, no, it's been busy and cold and wet, so... Um, not you know. down to your last singlet or a pair of undies or anything like that. So you can no. today. So that's good news. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's good news. Nigel, we've got a pretty exciting um um episode um coming up here. Um, oh fantastic. And, and judging by the notes that you've just sent me. But first of all <laughs> so this hours of research that we do, we do this every every time. But look, um we should talk about some of the big records that have fallen. Now we did expect yes. spring to be a season of records, as um Australian energy market operator um describes it. And um and so it has turned out to be. We've had a record aggregate rooftop PV output um last week of just over nine point one gigawatts all at the same time which is pretty amazing so Ooh. 10 gigawatts can't be that far off and um, you rarely see the combined coal output above nine gigawatts these days so there you go wow. that's rift that's just rooftop solar Christ. and um in south australia uh look they got to 100 percent solar um, earlier on this year i think um was it last october I think it was last October, confirmed by AEMO in January this year, and then it done it again. But it's done even more this time. It got to 106% solar, and um, that included utility scale solar, but rooftop solar, 88% of the local grid's demand. Um, so it might just get to 100% as foreshadowed this spring, but if it doesn't do it this spring, then it's certainly going to do it next spring. So, um, Pretty exciting developments, and um, and pleased to note that even though it was eighty eight percent rooftop solar, um, the lights stayed on. 
In fact, South Australia just had its fifth anniversary of its um, statewide blackout and is basically the only state in the last three or four years not to have had any outages at all from lack of supply. So there you go. Well, thank goodness there's so much coal to, you know, provide all the base load that's uh, underpinning uh, the majority of uh, peak generation coming from solar when energy is needed most. <laughs> Tripping the light, fantastic. There was a really good report into the outage of the Calide uh, generator in Queensland. Big explosion. Really complicated, um, really complicated explanations about um, what happened and why. But it did turn out that um, the uh, generator got away from them and actually sort of turned itself into an induction motor for a while and actually was drawing power down from the grid. Um, no it was doing weird things that I don't understand. And, it was regen. Um, they got regen going on, on, on Calide. <laughs> not too sure. I love That's a bit of regen. Weird. I don't know. I quite, look, I mean, they do say that you do, you, you know, you should try and create more demand during the um, the, 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 the Sunday midday days. So I'm not too sure if this is the quite the right way to go about it's a it. A new way to play the spot market that I hadn't, hadn't had thought of. Market. Well, yeah. funnily enough, it went up to about fifteen thousand and and more um, dollars a megawatt hour. Anyway. Um, but to me, um, to summarise, it basically sort of underlines the need for fast frequency response, which is going to come from battery storage, and also a new way of thinking about, you know, how to maintain system security when a couple of these generators go out, because what they do to play safe is that they switch off all the asynchronous generators, which is essentially wind and solar farms, just so that they've got the, you know, the proportions right. But you think, well, hang on, <laughs> why would you do that? Because you actually need, you need this power, you need this stuff from the solar farms. And those inverter settings, if you can get them right, and you've got a couple of other sort of grid-forming batteries around the place, then you might not need to do that. So it really just sort of points, uh, if you think about it, just to we've really got to rethink the way we manage the system. And, um, you know, if we're going to be relying on fewer and older and less reliable old kit like coal generators and some of these gas things, then... Um, uh, that's the wrong way to go about it. We've got to be moving towards new technologies, but there's every sign, every sign, at least from most of the experts, that um, yeah, that's the way we're heading. The risk, I mean, we talk about this all the time, Giles, and, and at the risk of sounding boring, I actually got interviewed by a, a, a US podcast called the Solar Mavericks podcast uh, a little while ago. Yeah, it's going up oh. tomorrow. Um, and they grabbed a little sound grab, which I didn't, I hadn't listened back to it, but, uh, they grabbed a little sound bite out of it. And, and the, the statement that I was talking about was, yeah, kind of batteries are really cool and, you know, it's a bit challenging and, but it's growing slowly, but you know, if only we could take advantage of what inverters are capable of, and we're seeing this starting to happen and we've got these amazing technologies and amazing experiments going on. And if only this was more widely adopted and, and, you know, we were really leveraging the smart inverter stuff, then, you know, all sorts of cool stuff could be going on and, you know, and then batteries will come. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. There's, there's ton of, ton of opportunities. And just while we're on um, dumbest things in the world, um, which we weren't on now, but we are now, um, uh, <laughs> I just love this story. It was written by Ted Woolley. He's a former um, CEO of Energy Australia and Powerlink. I think it is not Powerlink, but one of the other um, big network companies. So he's a guy who knows his um, he knows his energy. He's just written this really good analysis for us about the Curry Curry gas smelter in the Hunter Valley. Now, Snowy Hydro has been arguing that this has got, we, we need this because batteries don't last very long, and um, 
and um, they run out of juice after about five or six hours. And with, you know, with a gas generator, you, you've got to have it running for ages and ages and ages. Forget this. They're going to build a $600 million gas generator in the middle of nowhere in the Hunter Valley. Well, actually, in the middle of a whole bunch of suburbs. But they don't have a gas pipeline going there. So they're going to have a big gas bottle and store their gas in a bottle. Well, it's a very big bottle. But it's only going to last six hours. And then it's going to take a day to charge up. I mean... What? What? I'm sorry, but... Um, if you've got a battery, if you've got a battery, you know, uh, probably a battery can last six hours and be charged up and do it faster, smarter, quicker, cleaner, and cheaper than that's gas. The, that's, I mean, that's the world's biggest swap and go. It's, 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 it's got to be it's the dumbest be, thing that you've ever gonna, heard. It's going to have a hell of a and, cage, um, and I don't want to see how good the key and the lock is to do that swap and go, mate. Jesus. <laughs> Well, it is slightly, it's going to be slightly bigger than your average barbecue bottle, but um, <laughs> although mine probably lasts, you know. Actually, I didn't even plug mine in, actually, because there was a bit of a leak in it. I was too scared to, so I was waiting for someone sensible to come around and help me. But anyway, um, Nigel, we better get behind solar really quick, smart. Now, you're going to tell me something about well, prices going up. Yes, and, and, and look, the, the Facebooks have been alight with this issue. And in fact, uh, I want to give a shout out to. Um, um, a, a couple of fellas who've done another podcast called Just Another Solar Podcast, actually, and and good on them for getting up there and having a yak. Um, they brought this issue up, and it, it is it has been lighting up the Facebooks over the last week or so. Um, here's why: number one, um, we've already seen you know freight prices going up, you know, dramatically over the last sort of six months plus as a result of you know um, global issues. Um, uh, we also saw some price rises starting to flow as a consequence of that a few months ago. And, uh, you know, as much as perhaps mm -hmm. uh, 5, 10, even 15% on the price of a solar panel, which is not massive, but not immaterial either. And then recently, uh, as recently as last week, in fact, I uh, the Facebook was alive with people saying, oh, cripes, the price has gone up again, another 10 or 15%. And it seemed like a number of people who'd been holding off with price, rise, price rises suddenly pushed them out into the market. And what this uh, was driven by was a whole heap of really, really interesting things things. Firstly, um, uh, the curtailment of energy supplies in China has meant that a lot of the PV production facilities, both the uh, silicon casting and uh, wafering facilities and also the production facilities where they put modules together have all been locked down. They've, they've, they've been constrained. Now, this varies dramatically, and I'm hearing different stories, but typically what I'm hearing is the casting facilities, which you can't switch off quickly because the ingots break and they're big silicon crucibles and you know, it's a, oops, that's the neighbours killing one of their children. Sorry about that, listeners. Um, but yeah, so they can't turn them off quickly. So what I hear is they're running two weeks on, two weeks off from a couple of different people. Uh, the PV module assembly plants, uh, by contrast, are typically running three days on, four days off. Now, this varies, again, by provider and facility and everything else. But the net result of all of that, of course, is supply constraints. And what happens when you've got supply constraints? A um, couple of things. Number one, it becomes a, uh, a seller's market. And so you now get people who are saying, whoa, hang on, if supply isn't going to be flowing into the market like it has before, then, you know, 
what if I raise my what if I raise my price? Can I make some more margin here and sell it for more to the people who are desperate? And the answer, of course, is yes. So prices start to go up because it's a seller's market. People get more desperate because they don't want liquidated damages. Um, so they are prepared to pay more for project uh, for for panels. Uh, you also have the global manufacturers looking around the world saying, "Hmm, where's the market where I can sell PV panels for the highest price?" And where, conversely, is the lowest price market in the world? And guess where that is, Giles? It's Australia. So in a market where you've got supply constraints, uh, you've got all these factors coming into play. Uh, we've, we've already talked, touched previously on the fact that, you know, aluminium's gone up, copper's gone up, semiconductors have gone up, glass has gone up, EVA's gone up. Plus, you've got all the, you know, the, the, the effectively auctions for, you know, highest price. Um, a lot of this is driven by energy demand, of course. And, and one of the other key factors that, uh, 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 has been bounced around is the fact that energy costs um, are driven by coal in in China, as we know. There's, you know, several dozens of coal ships that have been moored off the off the ports, not being able to offload their coal for ages. A couple of them have gone in, but the price of coal has gone from $125 a ton to $250 a ton. That's a material impact on the cost of a solar panel, because like it or lump it, it with all these uh, solar panels that are coming out of China, the vast majority of those plants are fired by coal-fired power. Now, don't get your knickers in or not because it'll all pay for itself in a year or two. So it becomes carbon neutral very, very quickly because solar panels are fabulous. But as a cost input, that doubling of the price of coal has a real impact on the cost of the module. So put all of that together. And what have you got? You've got a PV price rise somewhere in the order of about a thousand bucks on a 6.6 kilowatt system in Australia. In Australia. Bloody hell, indeed. Bloody, Bloody hell. hell, indeed. So this raises the question, what, what's this mean for the industry? Do, you know, is is, is $1,000 a lot? Well, as lots of people I've been chatting to have said, look, we've gone through ups and downs in PV price before. Uh, it's caused by all sorts of different things. So this is not the end of the world. It'll pass. Things will stabilise, you know, um, but it's very uncomfortable when it happens. Number two, if you haven't secured your panel's and don't have a good inventory of stock that you bought at the old price, you're going to be paying more. And so you've got to pass those costs on or you've got to take it out of your margin. Uh, and at some point already, in fact, it's already happening. I'm hearing stories of quotes being passed on where customers are being told, sorry, there's been a price rise, cost of the system's going up. So we're already starting to see uh, retail prices starting to creep off on customers. It's going to mean there are going to be some winners and some losers, and it's very challenging out there. So... Yeah, all of that, um, the consequences are, are, are going to be quite interesting uh, over the coming months. It's pretty interesting stuff there, Nigel. Um, there's another great story going around the place about Andrew Forrest and his new investment into thin film solar. But um, before we get onto that, um, let's hear a message from one of our sponsors. Solar Analytics designs, develops and supplies smart solar software solutions that deliver more value from rooftop solar systems. Solar Analytics are committed to helping households, businesses and solar retailers. Get more from your solar. Get more confidence, more savings and more insights with Solar Analytics. And of course, we'd like to thank all the sponsors um, for the Solar Insiders podcast, um, Solar Analytics, SunWiz and Kennedy. And uh, you're listening to Giles Parkinson and Nigel Morris. It is a cloudy, rainy October the 12th. 
or 13th by the time you get to listen to it, or maybe 14th if it takes us two days to actually post it up. So I'm kind of um, my that's the first time I've done a dateline, a timestamp on the uh, on the podcast, yeah. and it wasn't very successful. No, we're on the hook. <laughs> it wasn't very successful. <laughs> But look, as I was saying before the um, before the uh, before the ad break, um, Andrew Forrest has been making some really big announcements: um, renewable hydrogen, huge rays Ooh. of wind and solar, the world's largest electrolyzer uh, factory in Queensland, a big green manufacturing centre making wind turbines and solar PV cells, and a big green ammonia factory in Brisbane. Um, but the one interesting thing was this purchase of this Dutch company, Hyatt, um, which is the maker of um, compression instruments for hydrogen technology, but also ultra lightweight thin film solar. And Mr. Forrest and Fortescue Future Industries are um, obviously very excited about this, but um, you've got a bit of a question about it, Nigel. Well, this intrigues me for a whole number of reasons, Giles. Uh, firstly, I watched the video that you kindly posted of uh, the other uh, person who is massive in the uh, resources sector, Gina Reinhardt, and uh, her approach to renewables and climate change is somewhat different to Twiggy's, it would seem, based on the horrendously misguided speech that she gave to a whole bunch of unfortunate school children, uh, which I, I, I promptly made a complaint on YouTube and everywhere else I could about the fact that she was misleading the world with her statements. But anyway, we'll put that aside because Twiggy seems to have twigged, which is awesome. But what I don't get is his announcement about making this investment in an amorphous silicon thin film company. Now, if I go back into the annals of time, when I was with BP Solar, we had a whole bunch of different photovoltaic technologies. We had a cadmium bitelluride plant in San Francisco. We love going there because of a jelly bean factory across the road. We also had a, an amorphous thin film facility in Virginia. And, and in their day, they were very, very high tech. All of them vanished into nothingness, sadly. But we spent an awful lot of time looking at all sorts of technologies and I went, hang on, hang on, hang on. I thought amorphous uh, thin film silicon uh, was effectively dead. And, and yeah, here's Twiggy. He's off and running. He's making massive investments. What's he up to? And so I went and did some research just to just to check myself and just go, hang on. Has amorphous silicon suddenly become, you know, good after years of not being good? And 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 lo and behold, you can look back to I've got a chart in front of me, Giles goes right back to the two thousands. Amorphous silicon reached a peak of about ten percent of mark global market share of photovoltaic production in two thousand. And has steadily declined ever since for the last 21 years, or well, 20 on my graph. And in 2020, it represented less than 2% of world production. So it is a tiny, tiny component of world production. Uh, cadmium ditelluride and other technologies uh, made famous by First Solar particularly have taken off and up and running. So here's this company that Twiggy's found who they're apparently going to take the world by storm. Now, Technology's changed. I did go and do some more research. I looked up, uh, you know, um, whether there've been leaps and bounds made in um, amorphous silicon. And, and so, you know, the, the Stabler-Ronsky effect is the one that kills it. It, it causes light-induced degradation. And, um, you know, I watched a really interesting analysis from very, very recent this year from a guy who's an expert in PV technology. He said, no, nah, still crap. So... I'm utterly perplexed, but I'm really stoked that an Australian 
businessman slash entrepreneur uh, is taking all this seriously. I'm really stoked that he's making investments in the PV world. That's fantastic. I'm I'm really excited to see, is he going to take a technology that has been rendered almost obsolete by the global manufacturing industry and make it material? Um, that's the million-dollar question for me. Good on you, Twiggy. Good on you. Um, but, uh, boy, there's some questions to be answered there. Maybe it's like the hydrogen economy. They've been talking about the hydrogen economy for 50 years, so maybe the same thing with amorphous uh, silicon. Um, <laughs> maybe it's one of those things. Maybe. You just have to talk about a lot and wait for its time to come. Um, yes. Well, we haven't actually been able to find out that much more about the details of this technology and what makes this completely different from the others. I mean, what they do claim in their promos is that it's super, super lightweight, like about 5% or something or less than 10% of sort of competing models. Yeah. Is, I mean, is, is that sort of the, the normal claims that you get with amorphous silicon and thin film technologies? Yeah, yeah. and look, I went, and, uh, yeah, I went and, and dug into their website and looked at all their brochures and everything else. And, you know, they were talking about return on investment and being able to cover more roofs and take out with less weight and all that kind of regular stuff that I was sprouting 15 years ago, Giles. For goodness sake, guys, come on. Uh, there's the fundamentals here are what worry me not not that there's a perceived advantage and that it's nice to be able to roll a flexible sheet out but it's you know are you going to get 20 years of life out of the thing is it going to be stable over its life um um you know uh, so yeah look you know fingers crossed i hope Go hope, for it. Oh, sorry, I hope they're but, better making oh. PV panels than they are taking photos of them because the uh, photos on the website were not that crash hot. Um, but um, anyway, um, we can send them over a photographer yeah. and uh, maybe help them out. Um, yeah, really interesting. A whole bunch of links in the uh, in the sheet, as you would see there, for some background research that I actually did on this. <laughs> I think we should publish them with our podcast uh, materials uh, for everyone to yeah. sort of jump back into. What else is happening? Solar analytics has stretched halfway across the continent. Or even more. Sydney to Cocklebiddy. Where the hell's Cocklebiddy? <laughs> Cocklebiddy is 75% across one of the largest continents on Earth, Australia, a very, very large continent. We were just having some fun the other day and trying to, you know, share the joy about our growth and everything else. And we realised that if with all the systems that we monitor now, if you took all the millions of solar panels, in fact, and laid them end to end, you can get three quarters of the way across Australia. So we've got a goal now. We're, we're, we're heading for Perth. On our way to Perth. but I just, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's an awful long way, um, and um, it kind of sums up, like so many companies, great Australian solar companies, not just us, but uh, you know, the success that everyone's seeing out there is really, really, um, you know, to be celebrated. So we had a little celebration. Fun Fantastic, fact. good stuff. And you've been busy with your great, um, great solar business podcast as well. Tell us what we had last week and what we got for next week. Yeah, if you missed it, last week we did an interview with the clean energy regulator that was really good fun. We got a couple of good admissions. We got a new T-shirt that's going to be uh, printed uh, quite with a quote from uh, Minister Angus Taylor on it. Uh, you'll have to listen to the episode to find out what it was. But it was really, really interesting because it was all around what the integrity uh, re review on the solar industry found and what the implications are of that. And uh, there's been a lot of chatter about that, of course, and there's going to be some changes. In fact, there have already been some changes. Um, so that's really worth having a listen to if you own a solar business because it'll give you some guidance as to what's going to come pretty quickly, according to the Clean Energy Regulator. And then we've got another one in the bag that's coming out next week where we're going to talk about personal and business relationships with Solar Pioneer and all-around nice guy, Lindsay Hart, um, which was actually a really interesting sort of heart-to-heart -heart chat, but it was, 
is very salient in these times because, of course, when the chips are down, when supply is short, when you're really scrambling for product to get that run up to Christmas. Remember, listeners, only 54 working days till Christmas. So you got to make all your money for the calendar year at least, uh, you know, in the next 54 working days. Who's going to get the product? You know who's going to get the product? The people who've got the good business relationships, the people who've done the right thing by their suppliers, who've stayed loyal and all those kinds of things. So they're the issues that we explore. And it looks like, um, no, I'm um, looking forward to hearing that one. Um, the Clean Energy Regulator one, you're right, is, is a really interesting podcast. And um, there's already been some um, some quick action. I'm chasing down an STC um, and Israel's fraud in WA and uh, taking an enforceable action against um, one of the installers up in, um, is it Queensland? Uh, no, the New, New South, South Wales. Wales okay. well, tell us, Actually, tell us yeah. about the fraud allegation first. Yeah, now this is an interesting one, and you know I do love the way the world works because my little uh, my little phone was going off its head over the weekend with people going, "Have you seen this? Did you know this? I've spoken to this person. I know who it is. It's this. Did you know this about it? Did you know that someone wrote me a letter and sent it to me about this? What's going on? Blah 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 blah." So you know, uh, the bottom line is the clean energy regulator and particularly their um, enforcement division um, are really serious about you know being tough um and in this case what they have done is executed a search warrant um from what i'm hearing uh one of the i'm going to be really careful what i say here but one of the um the people involved in this case was signing off on um installations without actually being present in the country and that is fraudulent as far as the um, rules and regulations go. Um, it's uh, implicated an STC broker, obviously, who was trading the certificate. It's implicated the retailer who had sold the systems. And, of course, the installer who was doing it, who was uh, technically signing off on these things, is also implicated. So it's got flow-on effects across the, um, across the industry, and it's an in- indication of how serious they are. Um, you know, executing a search warrant. Geez, you, if you had a solar business, you wouldn't really expect necessarily uh, for a search warrant to be issued. A bunch of guys in, you know, lousy looking suits with flip pads to be knocking on your door. But lo and behold, here it is. Um, and secondly, when I was digging around on the CER site, uh, I noticed another enforceable undertaking issued against, and it's public, so I'm going to say it, Bell Solar trading a Sunboost. Although I will note, even though the addresses are the same, it's actually a different ABN to National Solar Energy Group and Sunboost Proprietary Limited, although it is at the same address. So uh, they've had an enforceable undertaking um, uh, listed against them as well, which is not the first time that um, some of those um, companies have been in a bit of trouble for that kind of thing. So, you know, the CER's out there. Well, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, no, well, absolutely. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see that um, any more details of the uh, the WA thing to emerge, but um, of course we can't name anyone in, at the moment. Um, you've been watching scam videos. I actually got I got another one of those letters. I got another one of the letters in the mail from these people. Just a reminder from people out there: if you get something in the mail saying you're going to get a free battery and you're going to get this and you're going to get that, just throw it straight in the bin. Do not ring them up. I'm actually amazed by the number of people who do ring them and say, "Charles, I just got this in the mail. Shall I actually go out and get one?" We're thinking about it and going, "No." No. Yeah. So, um, I know. No, I, I know. haven't seen one for a while, but they're out there back again and um, it's dodgy as hell. So don't do it. Yeah. 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 I see them all the time. I got one not long ago as well. So they must be busy again. But yeah, I, <laughs> I had a little bit of fun the other day. I, I needed a moment of relaxation and I went, oh, 
Hang on. There's a there's a video popping up on my Facebook feed that says I can get free energy uh, and avoid the ripoffs from the power companies. And I followed the links, uh, dubiously clicking link after link after link and watched a YouTube video that was the scammiest, cruddiest, most garbage thing um, uh, about, you know, basically powering up an electric motor to drive a generator that would give you perpetual motion and, you know, give you eternal savings and uh, freedom. Um, of course, it's a lie. Um, but I actually did a bit of digging behind this and kind of found a bunch of people who'd actually not only tried to actually build the invention that the guy was talking about, but also analyzed the hell out of it. And it, it did strike me. It was amazing. He's had more than 10 million views on this. And if you do some basic maths and go, what if 0.01% of those people clicked on the link to get the plan, which cost 50 bucks to build this machine, what does that make the guy? And the answer, Giles, <clears throat> excuse me, is five million bucks. Uh, you can do a lot of advertising, a lot of paid advertising with five million bucks. So you create, the only thing he's created is a petrol, perpetual money-making machine where the more money he makes, the more he can promote it. And the more people inadvertently click on it and fall for his scam and pay him 50 bucks for a book that does nothing and don't get perpetual motion, he gets perpetually rich. Um, but but um, yeah, it just blows me away. It just absolutely blows me away that 10 million people are watching this video. I guess they're as stupid as I am. Mate, we get 10 million page views. Um, and more than that, in fact, we get about 30 million page views over the uh, the various websites. And um, I don't make $5 million a year. I think I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. I did the numbers. I went, Oof, hang on, there's a business. Okay, I'm changing it's the name of the website, Perpetual Motion. That's what it is. <laughs> Uh, you'll notice right. it yes but yep yep so if you wake up tomorrow and you see the name change don't be surprised and just send me fifty dollars yeah. um cool and how's your um probably wrap up with a bit of ev news actually um there's some funny things going on actually there's a volvo electric car which has just arrived in australia it's just been sold out there's the ionic 5 finally went on sale this week sold out within minutes um only 400 of them were, were on offer um um, there's a new MG coming with a slightly longer range. Um, things right. are starting to happen in um, in EV world. Um, so. Even even in the much more interesting, exciting world of electric motorcycles, I saw you published a story on Savage, Savage, a little boutique electric motorcycle manufacturer down in Melbourne. Uh, who uh, got some government funding to help get their first uh, batch of bikes built, which uh, I know a bunch of uh, owners had already placed deposits. So I guess they're, they're really enthusiastic and keen. And I see they've expanded their range, updated their specs a bit. So that's really cool. And I even sent you up a little article, uh, which I hope you publish soon, Giles, on uh, a custom bike builder who's uh, moved into the electric motorcycle scene as well, who's taking standard bikes and doing some very cool customization to... Um, as they say, make electric motorcycles exciting. That's great. And how's your motorcycle going? I, uh, look, you know, I went for a ride the other day and I came home with such a huge grin on my face and I actually texted a good friend of mine and said, I can't believe I own a live bike. <laughs> it, was, it still feels a little bit surreal, if I'm honest. But, um, you know, I'm actually, uh, I've actually been playing with it. I've been pulling it apart. It's in pieces at the moment, the tail end of it at least. Uh, while I get ready to put some bags on it so that I can get ready to go out and um, soon as uh, soon as I can move out of Sydney, going on a big long trip. Yes. Well, where, and where's that going to be? 
Well, I don't know. In a couple of weeks. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, when we can get out of Sydney, I don't know. And there's a bit of planning and logistics to do. And I've got a, yeah, so I've got a bit of uh, organisation to do. Um, but uh, in good time, that's when it'll be, John. In good, time. <laughs> good stuff, Nigel. Well, mate, um, I think we might bring today's podcast um, to, a, um, to a glorious end. Um, making a note once again about um, the Great Solar Business um, podcast. Um, last week's on Clean Energy Rate Regulator. Next week's um, the interview with Lindsay Hart. So do check out that. Um, we had a good interview on Energy Insiders last week uh, with Alinta um, CEO Jeff Dimery, um, just on a sort of a broader scale about things happening in the big end of town. Um, although, I mean, you see rooftop solar now, I mean, you sort of bring them all together. They are very much the big end of town now as the biggest generator in the grid. Um, any final thoughts, Nigel, or we just say goodbye to the listeners? Goodbye, listeners. That's so nice. And thanks, of course, to our sponsors, um, Solar Analytics, Sunwiz and Cleanergy. And um, Nigel will be back next week with Great Solar Business, and we together will be back with Solar Insiders in a fortnight. Bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clenergy, the providers of high-quality mounting systems for residential, commercial and utility-scale solar projects. With in-house engineering and projects divisions, Clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider for the solar and storage industry. SunWiz's partnership with OpenSolar will amplify the value delivered by their world-leading solar software platform. With pro setup, training and assistance, run your business at maximum velocity. Visit sumwiz.com.au. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics, helping you get more from your solar, more confidence, more savings and more insights. Visit solaranalytics.com.au.